On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan and Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agus Suligam a Makan Shah Gurfeder Echor in Uik Kart Len of Winter Fame. Skilti Fis Turmi. Tashe Dochretche Nach Vetoch Ara Igornamion on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. You're listening to the Indo Daily, but first. When I got out to the Wicklow Mountains, when I came to the end of the line, I, I felt this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. I'm Nicola Talent, and every week you can hear stories about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld on my podcast, Crime World. This was a stitch-up from start to end. I talk to those who get up close and personal with gangsters, mobsters and notorious criminals. They have taught of every conceivable way of disguising cocaine. Crime World is available wherever you get your podcasts. Our rental system is well and truly broken. Cuckoo funds, vulture funds, investment vehicles, they should all just be called bloodsuckers. Today on the Indo Daily, Ireland's new landlord class, vultures or saviours. Investment fund after investment fund after investment fund are going to be buying large swathes of new estates, locking out future generations from home ownership. The past decade has seen the emergence of the institutional investor in property. But are they making a positive or negative contribution to the rental market? If we restrict supply, the rents will go up. As sure as night follows day, we need supply. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and I'm joined today by Irish independent business journalist John Mulligan and Irish independent public affairs correspondent Amy Malloy to discuss who are the new landlords and what's their plan. John Mulligan, you've been writing extensively in the Irish Independent about the emergence of our new landlord classes. This this notion of these massive landlords uh, and investment funds coming into the country, it's a relatively new phenomenon. And, and how has it evolved and where, where are they at now? Yeah, well, it is relatively new, all right, really. And I guess um, you have to go back to the what the uh, property guys like to call the great financial crash, the GFC. Uh, we had a property bubble, bubble that burst. And so the government had to step in and bail out the banks. And that involved taking over tens of billions of euros worth of loans. And they had to sell on that property then to try and get some money back. And that was really the genesis of it. You know, they had these investors come in and they were able to buy up uh, these properties, some of them unfinished, and they were able to get real bargains. And that was really where this all started, certainly in Ireland. And uh, our demographics are very attractive to these investors. They look at a young population, 
and they think, well, this is great. You know, we're going to have this young population. They've got uh, all these multinational employers. Uh, they're well-paid jobs, and this is a there's a, a structural need for all these properties. And so we can build these properties. Then we can rent them out. Uh, we can get a stable return over 30 years, and this is great for our investors. So that's what they look at. And so, John, these these funds, they're Irish, they're international, or they're a mix of both? They're a mix. Now, primarily, though, they do come from, it's probably fair to say they come from outside Ireland, but there, there is a mix. There's Irish ones in there, too. Uh, and you see, it takes, a, it takes a huge amount of capital to get involved in this sector. Uh, when you look at the top uh, private landlords, you know, they've spent billions either acquiring uh, homes or, or building them or buying development sites. So it's a huge amount of money that's needed. And so it attracts investors that have strong backing. You know, some of them are listed on the stock market. Uh, some of them have shareholders that are sovereign wealth funds, which are government owned or controlled funds that invest in different assets all over the world. So yeah, it's a real mix of, uh, of, of investors. They come from the States, they come from uh, Germany, the Netherlands, uh, and there's obviously a few Irish ones in there too. So yeah, they come from all over. And Amy, tell us about the apartments that, that these landlords are, are renting out. They, they, these are not... Uh, Bed sits in the middle of rat mines, uh, as, as such. If if I'm renting, am I am I getting a penthouse apartment with jacuzzi and private cinema, or what? What am I? What am I getting for my money? It kind of varies. Um, like I spoke to kind of tenants paying between one thousand euro a month and nearly close to four thousand euro a month for for apartments. And you know there are a lot of perks involved, um, more than your average renter would definitely get. You know some tenants I spoke to, they're paying three thousand eight hundred euro for a one bed. They're getting access to gyms. They're getting um, work to home, work from from home office pods. They have a twenty four seven concierge service that handles their taxi bookings, restaurant bookings, um, and then some people kind of rent in the more standard kind of build to rent properties. You know, they wouldn't really have that many on site amenities or whatever. But like the majority of the tenants that I spoke to, they kind of had positive things to say, like. Some of the benefits include on-site maintenance. Like I think most of us have an experience with the and landlord. When you're renting a private house, you ask them to fix something and three weeks later, nothing's done. But in these developments, like everything's kind of done on site, so it's quite efficient. Um, a lot of them spoke about how the, the landlords actually organise social events. You know, people renting some of the more upmarket properties t- talked about getting free tickets to go watch Ireland play in the Aviva, wine tasting events, things like that, you know. So I suppose... You're paying a lot of money, but there are certain perks associated with it. Um, but what one tenant actually said to me was kind of interesting, you know, the, the landlords advertise these properties and they're like, well, you're getting free gym glasses and you're getting free access to working from home office pods. But it's not really free because you're paying nearly four grand a month for a one bed apartment. So obviously that's been kind of factored into the price. But overall, it seems there are nice places to live, but there are downsides too. You know, you're living in the city centre, you're paying 100 euro extra for car parking fees. In some of the developments, you're having to pay up to 75 euro a month for having a pet live in the place. Um, And while these apartments are kind of marketed as being in the heart of Dublin city centre and the docklands, there is kind of an element of antisocial behaviour happening too. Um, 
like I spoke to kind of tenants living in some of the developments owned by the Comer Group and Kendi Wilson on the Docklands. And like during the pandemic, there was awful kind of issues with antisocial behaviour, people gathering along the docks to drink. There was a lot of noise and disturbances. So you're paying like thousands of euro for rent a month and you can't get to sleep at night. Um, so like there are positives, but, you know, it's not all perfect either. What is the demographic of the typical tenant here? Are, are we talking about the, the mid-20s, uh, comes from a continental country, now working in Google or Facebook or somewhere like that? The majority of tenants I spoke to, yeah, like two of the people I spoke to work in Google and Facebook. One lady I spoke to, she'd moved over here from Lisbon to pursue a job opportunity. She actually rents a three-bed house in Maynooth from Erbio. Um, and she was saying, you know, like it's a nice house and stuff, but I'm paying 2,100 euro a month back in Portugal. I'd be paying 800 euro for this type of property. Um, one of the ladies I spoke to, she works with Google. She's renting a two bed apartment and she's paying 900 euro each month for her room. Like she's on a decent salary. She's paying 900 euro for rent. But, you know, it's not perfect either for her. <laughs> you know, she was saying um she actually decided to move into Island Key on the Keys because it's, you know, it's a complex. There's kind of a lot of security and stuff. But she had actually been assaulted during a, a kind of racially provoked attack um, about a year and a half ago. And she was just living in a house kind of in, in the East Wall area. And she decided, look, no, I actually want to kind of move into somewhere with a bit more security. Um, and that's what some of the tenants I spoke to said as well, as well as having kind of good security and like kind of 24-7 security on site. Um there's also that kind of element of security of tenure. So when you move into these developments, you're not going to have a landlord turn around saying, well, actually, my family are going to move into this property. You need to get out. Um, like these, these places are being built to rent out. And some of the tenants I spoke to, they've been living there for like up to seven years. Um, but the likes of the people working with Google and Facebook, they're coming over here. They're renting out some of the more upmarket places for between 3,000 and 4,000 euro a month. And then they're going to leave again. Um, but yeah, it's mostly kind of people coming from overseas who are working in the kind of Docklands areas of Dublin. And John, this is the demographic that, that these funds have, have, have spotted. So what, what you've tallied is that we've got our 10 biggest landlords, they own about 17,000 houses and apartments. The biggest one is is Ires Reit. Who or what is Ires Reit? Ires Reit is a company that is listed on the Irish Stock Exchange. So it's a quoted company and people can buy shares in it. And it is basically a property investment vehicle and it's backed by a Canadian uh, fund. So Iris Reit is the country's biggest private landlord and it has about 4,000 uh, units. And uh, so it, it's big, you know, I mean, the, the, the amount of apartments it owns, they're worth, uh, you know, in and around one and a half billion euros. And really, so in less than a decade, it became the country's biggest private landlord. It's a very polarizing issue, you know. I mean, as Amy has pointed out there, that you get a lot of tenants who are they they pay a lot of money, but they have security of tenure because these investors aren't looking uh, to sell up. There's a lot of counter arguments as well. You'll get uh, some uh, academics who look at this sector and they say, "Yeah, you know, the, these investors they come along and they." They build apartments, they do build to rents, you know, on sites in the city centre. And they said, you know, if, if they were stopped from doing that, maybe it would depress land prices. And then that land could be used for social housing or for building ho homes or apartments that people can more easily afford. Uh, and, you know, so there are a lot of arguments in this on, on, on one side and the other. And it, it, it is extremely 
polarizing. Does that argument stack up? Would these apartments have been built anyway? Uh, and would they have been bought by any others? Or what, what do developers themselves say? Developers will say that uh, developments that have been uh, built you know, might not have been built otherwise. And so you wouldn't even be building as many, you know, we might not be building a lot of uh, homes now, even though the numbers have it kind of accelerated over the last year or so. But they might say you might even have that stage if these investors weren't there and prepared to come on board and help effectively grow new developments. You know, then if the demographics are as strong as the investors uh, say they are, and there is the demand for housing, why wouldn't they necessarily be built anyway, even if the investors hadn't come along? You know, because there's demand there. We all see it. There's huge demand there. You know, there's figures that we might need up to 50,000 uh, homes a year built to satisfy demand. Amy, you've been looking at the experience of tenants, in particularly those who, who live in, in apartments uh, owned by IRAs REIT. Where disputes arise, what, what's what's your what's your take on that? Good experience, bad experience. It's kind of half and half, really. Um, I kind of did a trawl of the Residential Tenancies Board website, which is the the rental watchdog for the country, and. I think Iris Reach, um between now and 2015, they've been involved in around 250 disputes with tenants, which considering the fact they own 3,915 properties, is relatively low. But some of the money involved is is really significant. Um, nearly half of the cases actually concerned rent arrears. So, you know, Iris Reach are obviously very proactive in pursuing tenants if they don't pay rent. And, you know, some of the figures were kind of eye-watering. Tenants were in arrears of up to €35,000. Um, but on the flip side of it, then you also had tenants bringing cases over rent increases, um, challenging eviction notices. And um, in 2018, then one tenant actually took a case. I think he was renting a property on Marion Road in Dublin 4. And Iris Rita sought to increase his rent from €2,100 to €3,000, which is obviously a huge hike. Um, now, the RTB actually ruled that the rent increase was valid, the, or sorry, the rent review was valid, but they, they judged that €2,400 was more of a fair kind of market rate. There was one actually interesting case from last year as well. Uh, an estate agent company had been leasing a property in the marker over in Grand Canal Square, you know, very high end, very upmarket um, apartments, but I think they had amassed something like €35,000 in arrears. Um, they blamed the pandemic. They said that, you know, they weren't getting the same business that they were. And they had actually asked Iris Reach for a 50% rent reduction. But Iris Reach kind of said, no, look, we'll give you a rent deferral, but you're not getting a reduction. And the RTB, you know, found in favour of Iris Reach. So, yeah, you kind of get like an insight into a landlord who's very vigorous in pursuing tenants if they don't pay up. Um and when I asked Iris Reach to comment, they said, you know, look, in our view, the number of disputes is low. We try to work with tenants as much as possible. But yeah, they, they kind of gave the view, you know, during the pandemic, they didn't increase any rent. But then that also coincided with the fact the government turned around and said, look, we're putting a ban on rent increases and evictions while, while the country is in lockdown. And then they kind of they highlighted how they had been renting apartments to, for free to frontline workers and things like that. Some tenants have been happy, some tenants haven't been happy. Um, and then also, I think this kind of case highlights what happens when someone accidentally ends inside the cuckoo's nest. Um, I spoke to one guy, he actually bought an apartment in the uh, complex in Charlestown and Finglas. And then subsequently, a couple of years later, Iris Reach came along and snapped up the majority of the apartments in, in the block. 
So he bought his apartment under the impression, you know, other people are going to be coming in, families, they're going to be buying these. But subsequently, obviously, I was reached, bought the, the box and rented it out to tenants. Um, and he's had terrible issues with some of the tenants um, regards antisocial behaviour. And he took a case to the Residential Tenancies Board and Iris Reach were ordered to pay him €1,500 in damages. Um because they had found that Iris Reed hadn't actually kind of addressed the issue with their tenants and hadn't kind of given them, hadn't come down hard enough with them, basically. So I think you kind of see from the other side as well, when someone buys an apartment in these complexes, they can end up like not getting what they originally bought into. John, what's the future looking like here? Are, are we going to become similar to other major cities like like London and New York, where these high-end investors are going to own a, a larger proportion of, of the market? Or is there a bit of a pushback now from, from government, uh, the state and local councils? There, there is pushback and it's a very much a political issue. It's very emotive. Uh, you know, property is for Irish people, a very emotive topic in Ireland, given our history too. And there is that kind of pushback uh, from government and from local councils too. And I think that it may not be one big thing that happens, but it could be iterative. It could be small things that, that the government happens to do over the course of a number of years that just make it less attractive, consistently less attractive for investors to come in. You know, if, if that's, you know, the government will play to the mood music. And if the mood mu- music is that people are upset at investors coming in and perceive them, uh, to be skewing the market and making it harder for them to buy homes, then the government will, will, will probably do something about it. But an argument then, because in the piece we wrote, I spoke to Johnny Ronan, and he said, well, you know, what, what do you want? Do you want to drive investors left altogether? Because they, they, do, they, they have uh, helped to increase the housing stock. So they do make places available for people to rent uh, now, they might be for a very kind of well-heeled uh, part of the population, but nevertheless, they do create housing stock. Amy, you've been studying the the, the rental market in particular for the last number of years and, and the bad experience that, that very mentors, many renters have, have had. Where do you fall on the investment funds? I think there's pros and cons. You know, my generation were called Generation Rent because of the fact that many of us probably won't own our own homes. And I think in a way it's kind of disheartening when you hear about planning permission being granted for hundreds of apartments or or homes to be built. And then subsequently an investor comes in, swoops in and buys them all up to rent out. When I first moved up to Dublin, I think in 2009, I was paying €350 Euro to rent a room. Um, by the time I left Dublin, I think I, it was paying like something like €800. Euro. Particularly my generation, you've seen a lot of people move home to live with their parents, um, trying to save up to eventually buy a house. And I think my colleague Gabby had a, a story today kind of highlighting how mortgages now, like the repayments you're making every month are actually cheaper than rent. Um, so I think that's why you're seeing a lot of people saying, right, I'm going to go suck it up and <laughs> move back home with mommy and daddy for a couple of years because like when you look at it long term economically it probably makes more sense to try and buy than pay like 900 euro in dead money in rent every month and that was Amy Malloy and John Mulligan I'm Fiona Sheehan and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Mary Carroll researched by Tabitha Monaghan and Siobhan McGuire with sound design by John Smith if you enjoy the Indo Daily don't forget to like follow and leave us a review